how did we get here? Where did the universe come from? What is the universe even? Hey everyone and welcome to Dave's World Podcast Series where we discuss things that matter to us, stories that inspire us, personalities that motivates us. Welcome back once again. I'm generally so excited, so grateful, so happy for all the incredible support, the love, the kindness the podcast is being receiving from our listeners from different walks of life. Thanks to each and every one of you. It's such a great feeling when you see the response from people, their comments, their questions, their suggestions, their advices for improvements. I could really feel the connection. Like I said, I want this to be a medium where you get to know me better and I get to know you better. I want to be in exchange. I want you to learn about me and I want you to learn about you as well. If you haven't subscribed yet to my iTunes podcast, make sure you go and subscribe. If you haven't rated or reviewed, please do so so that we can reach out to many people and they also hear about us. Today, every single Friday, I will be rolling a new episode where I will be telling a personal story, sharing some experiences with some insights and driving you into some of my studies that I'm fascinated by. So far together, we have completed a series about the legend Alexander the Great. Last week, we started a new series to share some of my fascinations about this curious, beautiful, universe. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I suggest you to listen to that as well. And in this week, I will walk you through one of the genius minds of our time. It's none other than Albert Einstein and his contribution to the theory of relativity, the concept how life has evolved in this planet. It's a, really a a curious things to know you know that because we see a lot of things today the plants are growing the sun you know is shining on the sky the stars are glittering the birds are flying but you know that the humans are walking on the street with different kinds of skin and different types of uh, perceptions and culture and stuff so uh, there was a time when nothing was there that the, the, the nothingness and after the Big Bang so it's a, an interesting journey to to connect these doors at various time to understand that how we have reached this far and how did we land here in this beautiful planet. So let's begin the, the journey together in search of the stardust. Now Einstein's theory of relativity probably you know, most of us have studied about this theory and we are not going to any scientific details to understand it, but we can see that how that theory, theory of relativity had a huge implications for understanding the universe at larger. And as you know that as a student, Albert Einstein was, wasn't brilliant. There was a lot of complaints from the teachers to his parents. After he failed his first college entrance exam, 
he ended up working in a patent office that was the beginning to 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 start his career and after that it was the you know the the climb of a the, the wonderful genius of our time while he was there however he got a serious about studying physics and in 1905 published a paper that would change the world completely his groundbreaking special theory of relativity explains that the, the notion of time is relative and does not progress constantly. His groundbreaking special theory of relativity explains that the notion of time is relative and does not progress constantly as does an oral. This concept is unintuitive and difficult to grasp for most as we don't experience the effects of relative time in our daily lives. For example, say light, gravity, and the universe itself. However, Einstein's theory has huge implications. In essence, the theory states that the speed of light is constant, meaning that it does not change for observers regardless of how fast they may travel. However, the inverse is true for time. If one person travels faster than the other, their experience of time will seem slower. Even more challenging than his special theory, Einstein's general theory of relativity totally changed how we look at gravity. After seeing a workman fall from a roof, Einstein began thinking more about gravity, which was the one element missing from the special theory. Published in 1917, his general theory proposed that time is interwoven with three-dimensional space as space-time. You can think of a space-time like a sheet of stretched rubber. If you place a big round object in the middle, uh, the sheet will stretch and sag slightly. Massive objects such as the sun do the same to space-time. If you then roll a smaller object across the sheet, it will try its best to travel in a straight line. However, as the smaller object nears the larger object and the slope of the fabric, it will then start rolling downward. In a sense, gravity works as a product of the bending of space-time. In one elegant theory, Einstein explained to the world how time and gravity functions. The more scientists studied atoms, the more they realized that atoms couldn't be explained by the conventional law of physics. Conventional theory stated that atoms shouldn't be able to exist. The positively charged protons in the nucleus should repel one another, causing the atoms to rip apart, while the electrons that orbit them should be crashing into each other constantly. Scientists overcame this problem by developing a new theory which revealed the mechanics of subatomic world. In 1900, German physicist Max Planck introduced a quantum theory which said that the energy is in some everlasting thing but instead is created in individual packets called quanta particles even smaller than atoms. His idea remained mostly theoretical until 1926 when another German physicist, Werner Heisenberg, developed the concept of quantum mechanics that sought to make sense of atoms' strange behavior. 
At the heart of this discipline were the uncertainty principle which demonstrated that electrons have the characteristics of both particles and waves. As a result, you can never predict with absolute precision where an electron will be at any given moment. You can only determine the probability that it is in a certain point in space. The introduction of quantum theory provided as much confusion as it did clarity, ultimately dividing physics into two bodies of law, one for the subatomic world and the other one for the larger universe. The theory of relativity has no influence on the subatomic world and quantum theory is entirely incapable of explaining phenomena like gravity or time. This untidiness frustrated Einstein to the extent that he spent the entire second half of his life trying to come up with what he called Grand Unified Theory, yet he ultimately failed. For some, the most interesting things about atoms are the visible things they create, like mountains and oceans. Next, we will return to Earth and learn how life on our planet is possible at all. Despite the extraordinary diversity of life on Earth, our planet is far from a friendly place to live. In fact, according to one estimate, 99.5% of Earth's habitable space is completely off-limits to humans as we need land and oxygen to live. And even on land, we don't have free region. Only 12% of the globe's total land mass is habitable. Some scientists have gone to great lengths to demonstrate just how frail humans really are. Father and son team John and Jack Haldane conducted experiments on their own bodies to show just how tough the conditions are when a human leaves the surface of the world. Jack built a decompression chamber to stimulate life at the deepest part of the oceans and in doing so essentially would poison himself as he experienced elevated oxygen levels found in the deep sea. During one experiment, oxygen saturation caused him to experience a fit so violent that he crushed several vertebrate. Considering just how tough it is to live on most of the earth, it's a surprise that we are here at all. Looking at the known planets, it's clear that finding a place suitable for life is a rare thing. In fact, a planet must meet four specific criteria to be habitable. First, it has to be just right distance from a star. Too close, everything will burn out. Too far, everything freezes. Second, the planet must be able to build an atmosphere to shield us from cosmic radiations. Third, we would need a moon to study the many gravitational influences on the Earth, essential for spinning at just the right speed and angle. And finally, timing is everything. The complex sequence of events that led to our existence had to play out in a particular manner at particular time to produce life and avoid catastrophe. It's a wonder that we call our planet Earth and not water. Water is literally everywhere. The oceans actually, you know, it's swallowed it, almost all the big chunk of our land. Just think, our bodies are composed of 65% of water and beyond. 
there are no less than 1.3 billion cubic kilometers of water covering the, the entire planet. Considering how essential water is for life, it is surprising how long it was before we took a scientific interest in the seas. Even though 97% all of water on Earth is found in the ocean, the first real investigation of the ocean wasn't organized until recently. In 1872, a former English warship was sent out for three and a half years to sail the world, sample the waters and collect new species of marine organisms, thus giving rise to a new scientific discipline, oceanography. This exploration continued into the deep seas with two American adventurers, Otis Barton and William Beebe. In 1930, they set a world record by descending 183 meters into the ocean depth in a tiny iron chamber called Bathy Spear. By 1934, they dove over 900 meters. Unfortunately, however, they weren't actually trained oceanographers and didn't have sufficient lighting and tools. All they could report was that the ocean depths were filled with strange things. As a result, academics and scientists largely ignore their findings. Today, scientists have explored beyond 10,918 meters into the ocean's depth, yet even still, we don't know that much more. In fact, we have better maps of the planet Mars than we do the seabed. According to one estimate, we may have only investigated a millionth or even a billionth of ocean abyss. There could be a, as many as 30 million species of sea-dwelling creatures down there, most of which remain undiscovered. Even details of the lives of the most visible ocean creatures, such as the blue whale, remain mostly a mystery. Germaphobes have it tough. No matter how clean you are, you are always covered with or surrounded by an overwhelming amount of bacteria. So now let's explore something more about these tiny little organisms, what they do, how they function, and what they are capable of. Consider this, if you are healthy, approximately one trillion bacteria will be living in your skin. It's true that bacteria are the most abundant and adaptable of Earth's diverse life forms. In fact, there are so many bacteria that if, if you could add up the mass of all living things on the planet, these tiny bacteria would account for 80% of the total. One reason for this has to do with how quickly bacteria reproduce. Bacteria are prolific. They can produce a new generation in less than 10 minutes. This means that without outside influences, a single bacterium could theoretically produce more offsprings in two days than there are protons in the universe. Furthermore, bacteria can live and thrive on almost anything. As long as they have a little moisture, they can survive in even in the harshest environments, such as in the worst tanks or nuclear reactors. Some are so resilient that they appear indestructible. Even when a bacterium's DNA is blasted with radiation, it will simply reform as if nothing has happened. Can you imagine that? But thank goodness bacteria are everywhere. They are extremely important to our survival as well. 
Bacteria recycle our waste, purify our water, keep our soil productive, convert our food into useful vitamins and sugars and pass along the nitrogen in the air to us, among other cr crucial things. In fact, most bacteria are either neutral or beneficial for humans. However, about one in thousand bacteria is pathogenic and even this tiny demographic represents the third most lethal killer of humans worldwide. Some of the most virulent illness from plague to tuberculosis are caused by bacteria. Imagine that just the right ingredients from your kitchen cupboard magically started mixing and baking themselves into a delicious cake and that this cake then began dividing to produce more delicious cakes. Does that sound strange to you? Even stranger is the fact that the groups of molecules such as uh, amino acids do just this all the time. Upon closer inspection, however, this spontaneous process isn't so mysterious. Self-assembling process happen constantly. From the symmetry of snowflakes to the rings of Saturn, patterns, complexity can be found everywhere in the universe. Thus, it seems natural that amino acids would arrange themselves into the proteins that build living organisms. After all, a living organism is merely a collection of molecules. The only real difference between an organic and inorganic matter whether a carrot or goldfish is the essential ingredients, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen. So, spontaneous life is possible, but how did it happen? Life as we know it is a result of a single genetic trick that's been handed down through generations for around 4 billion years. This moment of creation, sometimes called the big birth by biologists, occurred when a tiny bundle of chemicals managed to cleave itself, thus sending a copy of its genetic code into the primordial ooze. The process eventually created bacteria which remind the soul life forms on the planet for 2 billion years. These bacteria gradually learned to tap into water molecules, thus creating the process of photosynthesis and filling the world with oxygen. Then some 3.5 billion years ago, the world's first ecosystem began to appear in shallow waters. When oxygen levels reached modern levels, complex life forms arrived, divided into those that expel oxygen, that is like plants, and those that consume it like us human beings. So no matter how different living organisms seem, every single living object uses the same genetic dictionary and reads the same code. Between bananas and chimpanzees, there is much more than that that is similar than is different. To say that there are many different species on the planet is an understatement. Estimates range from 3 million to 200 million. According to our report in The Economist, up to 97% of the world's plant and animal species are likely still undiscovered. What more, there isn't even central registry of the species we already know about, leaving us even further baffled 
by the diversity of life on Earth. And yet, despite the differences between among species, all living things are connected. In 1859, with the publication of The Origin of Species, Charles Darwin explained that all living things are connected and that species differentiate and become fitter through a process of natural selection, thus suggested a shared common ancestor in the distant past. Modern investigation into our gene and DNA further suggests that we have far more in common than once we thought. For example, if you compare your DNA with any other person's DNA, you would find that 99.9% .9 of the code would be exactly the same. But these similarities don't only exist within species. Believe it or not, approximately half of our DNA would match up perfectly with the DNA of a banana. Moreover, 60% of human genes are exactly the same as those found in the, the fruit fly. And at least 90% of human genes correlate on some level with those found in mice. Stranger still, scientists have discovered that parts of our DNA are interchangeable between species. For example, we can insert human DNA into certain cells of flies that will accept this DNA as if it were their own, thus further suggesting that life originates from a single blueprint. In this way, we can see human beings as achievers of a long history of modification, stretching all the way back to when life originally began. Looking at the rich diversity, life seems nothing short of a miracle. We are saying that human beings are evolved over time. Almost the concept is the same. So everything is interlinked. We will dive more into other fascinating stories with regards to the universe in the coming episode. So I will tell all of you, stay safe with great love. Bye bye. here where did the universe come from what is the universe even hey welcome to things that matters a podcast series hosted by me dave today Every single Friday, we are coming up with some something new, something that really matters to us. That could be inspiring stories, amazing personalities, history, innovation, technology, anything. Thank you so much for all your support, reviews and comments. It means so much to me. It brings me the energy to sit down and draft my episode of the week. I'm happy that I'm surrounded by a group of enthusiastic, energetic, and really supportive people who want to change their life as well as the life of others through innovation and knowledge. It is an incredible feeling to see the chain continues on rapid pace. 
So today we will continue our conversation in search of stars and see how stars are born, how star decay is an important step forward for the universe. Also we will look into our accumulation of debris about 4.5 billion years ago lead into the formation of our beautiful planet. So put your seat back on, drive into the journey in search of stardust. So, throughout history, humans have tried to make sense of our world and our place in it. People from different ages, races and religions have told stories to explain with grandeur and all the origins and existence of humans, animals, earth, the stars and the universe. We are also trying to do the same thing here, we are just creating definitions, trying to travel back in time and see what exactly happened at this point in time. You know, globalization and our intensely dynamic modern knowledge economy have eroded faith in traditional origin stories. But the reality is that current scientific knowledge means humans have never been better placed to explain our origins and the developments. So here we are going to discuss about the process of the star formation. What we are trying to achieve is from how from nothing our universe, stars and planet emerged, how the right condition came together to enable the formation of life, how life forms harnessed the energy of the sun to make great leaps forward and how millions of years later human harnessed energy from farming and fossil fuels to leap forward again. So, just look into the concept of, as we have mentioned in the previous episodes, you know, it's very easy to come to a pace where we know the Big Bang, which happened about 13.8 billion years ago. We already discussed about it. But the problem is, mostly, most of the people ask, is what was before that? It was, it is just a kind of a confusion. Nobody, or even we don't have a scientific conclusion to it. But at a certain point, the tale of our origin is told through thresholds. The key transition point when more complex things appeared. These moments happen under what known as Goldilocks conditions. When things are not too hot, not too cold, but just the right. For most of the thresholds in our story, we can explain what those Goldilocks conditions were and why the threshold was reached. But what about the Big Bang? We simply don't know the condition that allowed our universe to emerge. Perhaps the best way to explain what happened is the use of the words of scientific fiction or the theory Pratchett. In the beginning, there was nothing which exploded. <laughs> That's a kind of uh, an imagination or the, the, the conclusion we keep. What we do know is that the Big Bang created the universe 13.8 billion years ago, the first of a series of key events in our history. And we know that what happened next, a fraction of a billionth of a second after that moment. At this point, the universe was smaller than an atom. 
It's hard for human brains to comprehend the size of things like atoms, but you could comfortably fit a million of them into the dawn of this small eye. If you just hold your hand in a very small compressed space, you know, it can hold like a billion, a billion or trillions of atoms inside it. To begin with, we only had energy, which quickly split into different forces such as gravity and electromagnetism, two unknown supernatural forces of our planets or of our universe, the truth. Gravitational force, yes, it exists, but we cannot see it. And about electromagnetism, it really exists. We have a lot of formulas and scientific facts to prove about it, to, to, to rewind it, to create it. So, within a second, a simple matter emerged and was followed by more complex structures, while protons and neutrons, extremely tiny particles, teamed up to become nuclei. So I think most of these studies, uh, we have studied in our primary classes, if you could really brush up your memory. But uh, at that point in time, nobody could correlate these two things that what exactly because we just wanted to know most of us uh, really asked you know uh, when I was a kid people really come and ask hey is it egg or the hen come first so it's like a you know kind of confusion who comes first so what I mean to say is in, in points of nuclei in the, the everything in the universe is built up of these elements you know the core is atom and we are even going beyond that because we see the protons the neutrons and the electrons revolving around and stuff like that all this happened within minutes but as the universe cooled things slowed down a bit 380,000 years later Electrons became trapped in orbit around protons, pulled together by electromagnetic forces, and the first atom of helium and hydrogen were formed. That was uh, the, the basis which was required for the creation of this gigantic universe. The hydrogen and the helium. Universe began something unimaginably small with uh, all the energy and matter present in the universe today packed into it. And it's been growing ever since. the night sky it's easy to think of stars as having always existed but stars only came into being a hundred million years after the Big Bang when gravity and matters provided the Goldilocks condition for stars to form at this point the universe was a bit like a mist made up of tiny piece of matter in some areas you could think of them as particularly cloudy area the volume of matter was denser than elsewhere. Here, gravity pulled atoms together, making them collide and speed up, raising the temperature. Over time, these clouds of matter grow denser and hotter. When a cloud of matter's core hits 100 million degrees, trillions of protons will fuse together to form helium nuclei. In this fusion, huge amounts of energy are released. The same process that occurs in a hydrogen bloom explosion. A furnace is created, releasing vast energy that will burn as long as they are still protons to fuse together. This structure stabilizes and will last for millions, even billions of years. We have a star. So we were explaining the star formation. How does it happen? Actually, we know how many stars bound together in galaxies, kind of like star cities. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, contains hundreds of billions of stars. 
but it's not just the birth of a star, but also their death that represented an important step forward for our universe and eventually for us. When a large star dies, gravity smashes the star's core together with extreme force and the star explodes with, for an instant, as much energy as an entire galaxy. In just a few moments, this explosion manufactures most of the elements we find in the periodic table and sends them flying out into the space. Stardust fertilized and enriched our universe, ultimately enabling the formation of our Earth in a form that would eventually support life. A lot to thank the sun for providing with all kind of energy because we are receiving the light, we are receiving the, the heat, we are receiving the energy. The formation of planet is a messy byproduct of star creation, which takes place in areas of space rich in clouds of chemicals. After the star at the center of our solar system, in case ours, its sun, was formed, a mass of debris made up of gas, dust, and particles of ice was left over while lighter elements such as hydrogen and helium were blasted away by violent bursts from the sun. That's why our planets in our solar system are formed mainly from these elements. But closer to the sun, where rocky planets like Earth, Venus and Mars were formed, was an area rich in chemicals like oxygen, aluminium and iron. Over time, particles of matter struck together as they collided in orbit. Eventually, larger objects such as meteors emerged, which were larger enough that their gravity sucked up surrounded debris. Eventually, this led to the formation of planets. The signs of this process remain visible today. The slightly strange tilt of Uranus and its rings is most likely the result of a violent collision with another form. While our moon was probably created by a collision between Earth and a Mars-sized protoplanet, a kind of early pre-planet. That collision sent vast quantities of matter. That collision sent vast quantities of matter into a circular orbit around Earth, like the rings of Saturn, before eventually coming together in the form of the Moon. For a long time, humans have known only of our own solar system, the collection of planets, moons, and debris orbiting the Sun. But in the last 30 years, we have learned that most stars have planets. There could be many billion of different kinds of planets in the universe. Studies by astronomers will in time reveal how many could support life. But what condition enable life on a planet? We're gonna search for it in our coming episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you have subscribed if you haven't already. And please, please, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or wherever it's possible on the social media platform. Generally, there are so many amazing things that we are discussing and we are sharing. I love noticing what you learn from this session and make sure you talk me there. If you leave any questions, please drop me a message on my Facebook or Instagram or anywhere my presence is there. We'll see you next week with another episode with uh, more interesting things about the universe. Uh, stay safe with a lot of love. Bye for now.